The following audio was recorded at Stone Oak Bible Church. For more information about our church or for more resources, visit us at stoneoakbible.com. I'm going to pray again for myself to start off. And then pray for y'all, and then we'll, we'll dive into the Word of God. Uh, dear Lord, just thank you for sending your Son. And the time that we had this morning to have praise and to have communion, I just pray that your Holy Spirit will be upon this time and upon my preaching. Bless me and uh, this and help me with my nerves and my jitters. And just uh, may this be a sweet time of learning about the book of Habakkuk. We just ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, let's dive into it. So, uh, well, a little bit of a confession. We'll start there. Um, When I was younger, teenager, college, I'd always say, I'm going to read through the whole book of the Bible cover to cover. Um, I do pretty well until about the time I got to the minor prophets. Always kind of lost gas. It's a little bit abstract for the modern reader. Um, So growing up, that was an area I wasn't that great at. Every time I'd be like, ah, college, I'd be like, you know what? I need to read through the whole Bible. Somewhere around Jeremiah, I'd start to fall off. So it's a part of the the Bible that um, growing up, I didn't know that well. Uh, And then also on top of that, Growing up in the church, it wasn't a part of the Bible that's typically preached from. So for me, uh, I have really enjoyed us going through the Minor Prophets. Uh, It's been a good time of learning, um, and I'm really enjoying it. And and a little bit of backstory, we've said this before, but uh, Minor Prophets only means they're shorter books. They're not as long as the Major Prophets. They're not lesser. But uh, anyway, so there we go. So... That's the start. So I'm not only going to just do Habakkuk, I'm going to summarize all the minor prophets to start off. So um, that way you get the whole minor prophets right now. And uh, I got a slide here for it. I stole this from the Gospel Coalition, which is a great place for content. And um, basically that's the whole minor prophets summed up in three words. Hosea, God of the unfaithful. Joel, God of locusts. Yeah, it's there. Uh, Amos, God of the oppressed. Obadiah, God of the mountain. Jonah, God of compassion. Micah, God of justice. Nahum, God of wrath. Habakkuk, God of sovereignty. And that's where we'll be today. Zephaniah, God of judgment. Haggai, God of renewal. Zechariah, God of restoration. Uh, Malachi, God of worship. So, you've got the whole Minor Prophets summed up this morning. So, there you go. You don't have to do anything else. Uh, kids, if you're listening, you get, we get you all on the first half of the sermon probably paying attention. If your parents ask you later what Habakkuk was about, you can say that God is sovereign. You now know what the book of Habakkuk is about. Y'all online, you now know that it's that God is sovereign. But he, and so if your parents then ask you, 
Well, what does sovereign mean? You can say that it means he's the ultimate authority over everything. Nothing is too big for God. He's always in control. Uh, my wife posted this uh, quote yesterday, and uh, I thought it was so good and so fitting that I was like, I need to work this into the sermon. So I'm going to share this now, too, because I thought this was a really great quote. So uh, this is from Joe Lopez, Joy Lopez. We cannot define God's character based on our situation. Instead, we should define our circumstances based on God's proven character. Amen? Yeah, so good. Um, so, there's the whole book of Habakkuk. But let's dive in a little bit deeper. Let's look directly at Habakkuk. Let's talk a little bit about the background of Habakkuk. Um, his time period is around the end of the reign of King Josiah, who was a good king, and around the time right after of King Josiah, his son Jehoiakim, who was not a good king. Uh, things were starting to fall apart. Um, Habakkuk could look around and he could see the moral decay, the, the nation declining. Uh, this was a, a time where we're headed into the Babylonians coming and the exile uh, for the kingdom of Judea. So this is the world in which we find Habakkuk. So let's go to his word and read from Habakkuk chapter 1. O Lord, how long shall I cry for help and you will not hear? Or cry to you violence and you will not save? Why do you make me see iniquity and why do you idly look at wrong? Destruction and violence are before me. Strife and contention arise. So the law is paralyzed and justice never goes forth. For the wicked surround the righteous, so justice goes forth perverted. Wow. Let's step back and think about that for a minute. Um, those are hot words. If I got up and just said that, and I wasn't quoting from the Bible, you'd go, wow, this, this guy's really upset. Uh, it's difficult. Uh, so, but the first part I want, a point I want to make about this is uh, Habakkuk is unique as a prophet. He's not a prophet who was given a message from God, said, go forth and speak this. He is somebody who is sickened by what he sees, and he's questioning God. Uh, I should have mentioned Habakkuk's name. There's two different ways it can kind of be interpreted. It means either wrestler or embracer. And in this book, we're going to see him wrestle with God. He's asking these questions. Why is it this way, dear God? And then later, we're going to see him embrace. At the end, he is going to hold to God. Um, so what I want to say about this first part of uh, Habakkuk here in chapter 1 and, and his complaint is he's real. He's having doubts. He's not happy with what he sees in the world. Um, he, he's accusing God. He's like, where are you? Uh, why do you make me see iniquity? And why do you idly look at wrong? Ooh, that's hot. Um, a lot of times in the Christian world, the religious people, they want to speak in platitudes. They want to just go there, there. God's in control. But here is Habakkuk 
who is speaking truth and he's having doubts. Um, he's asking uncomfortable questions. He's looking around at his world and not just giving a blind eye to it. He's there engaged. His heart is breaking for what he sees. Difficult times. Um, it's, it's very real. Uh, secular people, they will have doubts when it comes to these religious things to God. But a lot of times where they end up is, I can't believe that kind of God that allows this to happen, to have this happen. But Habakkuk is asking these questions, but he's not saying, I don't believe in God. He's just questioning. Um, it makes me think of Psalm 73, and I'll read that to y'all. But as for me, my feet almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped. For I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For they have no pangs until death. Their bodies are fat and sleek. They're not in trouble as others are. They are not stricken like the rest of mankind. So there again, he's, he's having these doubts. Uh, he, you know, in Psalms they talk about uh, his foot almost slipped. He's off balance. But then God responds to him. I'll read this one here. Look among the nations and see and wonder and be astounded. For I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe if told. For behold, I'm raising up the Chaldeans. We'll know them as the Babylonians. That bitter and hasty nation who march through the breadth of the earth to seize dwellings not their own. They are dreaded and fearsome. Their justice and dignity go forth from themselves. Their horses are swifter than leopards. They are most fierce um, than even wolves. Their horsemen press proudly on. Their horsemen come from afar. They fly like an eagle, swift to devour. They all come for violence, all their faces forward. They gather captives like sand. All king, at kings they scoff, and at rulers they laugh. They laugh at every fortress, for they pile up earth and take it. Then they sweep from the wind and go on, guilty men whose own might is their God. Whoa. So, it gets worse. Habakkuk is asking God to deal with the people of Israel and the injustices that he sees. And this is God's response, that he's going to send the Chaldeans to take care of them. Uh, if you come down to verse 13, he says, you who, are purer eyes than, you who are purer eyes to see evil and cannot look at wrong, why do you idly look at traitors and remain silent when the wicked swallow up the man more righteous than he? So, Habakkuk's second complaint is, God, they're worse than the Israelites. They're worse than we are. And you're going to use them to punish us? Wow. <laughs> so it gets worse. He's struggling with God. He's asking these questions. And he gets the response. And that is hard to hear, right? Using worse people to punish God's people. Just doesn't seem fair. Doesn't seem right. So he's struggling through that. 
It's not the answer he wanted, not the answer he expected. However, here is how he responds. And we read in chapter two, verses one through four. I will take my stand at my watch post and station myself on the tower and look out to see what he will say to me and what I will answer concerning my complaints. The Lord answered me, write the vision, make it plain on tablets so he may run who reads it. For still the visions await its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. Behold, his soul is puffed up. It is not upright within him. But the righteous shall live by faith. Wow. So that's God's response to these complaints from Habakkuk. As we read this, I kind of want to make three points when you go through these verses here in chapter 2. Patience, perspective, and faith in Christ. Um, First off, patience. When you look at it there, he's telling him to wait. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. Patience is hard. Very hard. Uh, It's something we all struggle with. Um, It it is an exertion of the will to have to be patient. Um, And yet that's what God asks of us in many situations. uh, Because it's not our schedule. It's God's timing. And his timing's perfect. Um, Think of God when he sent his son in the fullness of time. God's timing is the right timing. It's not our timing. But that is difficult. It's difficult to have patience in this situation. Yet he's asking us here. He's like, wait for it. May it seem slow. It will not delay. It's going to happen. So that's something we can take here from Habakkuk. To patiently wait on the Lord. Even though it may not seem like he's in control or things are happening. um, To be patient. Like the Israelites at the Red Sea. When you have the Egyptians coming on you, his timing doesn't seem right. Why are you doing this, God? The second thing to pull from these verses is perspective. Uh, Habakkuk says, I will take my stand at my watch post. I will station myself on the tower and look out to see what he will say to me and what I will answer concerning my complaint. So, in ancient times... The watchtower is where you look out and you see your enemies coming. You can see your friends. You see the landscape. Uh, Habakkuk is pulling back into his watchtower. He is stepping back away from the situation to get on an elevated plane where he can see perspective. It's so easy in our lives to go about our daily routine um, and not step back and get perspective. Uh, to just walk along and see only what's in front of us. I do it all the time. It's hard to pull back and have perspective. It's hard to pull ourselves back and go, God, what are you doing here? What am I seeing? But in this, 
Habakkuk is, pull, is stationing himself on the watchtower. And so when, I, when we read these verses here of Habakkuk and we think of that watchtower, we need to think, are we going to our watchtower? Are we stationing ourselves where we have the perspective to see what God's doing? <sighs> Something we need these days. Um, these times are not easy for anyone. Um, but it, it, it is important that we take the time to step back and go to our watchtower to go to that elevated plane and see what God is saying, what he's speaking to us. Look out, gain perspective. And finally, um, faith in Jesus. Um, This is the most important part. You can have faith, and that is the key. If you have patience, and you have perspective, but you don't have faith in Jesus, you're not going to stand. It's a, that is the key thing here in all of this. So, uh, let's read that part again. Uh, from verse 4 of uh, Habakkuk 2. Behold, his soul is puffed up. It is not upright in him. But the righteous will live by faith. Faith in Christ is how we'll make it. Um, this quote right here is quoted by the Apostle Paul in Romans. Um, and I will read from chapter 1, verses 16 through 18 of this. Uh, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written... The righteous shall live by faith. Amen. Amen. It's our faith in God that is how we will make it. That is what Paul is pulling from when he writes the letter of Romans. He's pulling back from Habakkuk, um, which is great in our timing since we've been going through the book of Romans and we'll be going through the book of Romans again. We're going to jump back into that in the fall. So, little plug for that. Um, perspective, patience are great, but if you don't have faith in Jesus, you're not going to make it. Uh, and, and that is what we're resting on. That is what we are, our lives are built on. Um, so, faith alone. That is the words that um, Martin Luther heard that started the uh, Reformation. Um, So, in a sense, that verse right there, the righteous shall live by faith, is part of the reason you're here today. That you're in this church. That Paul wrote these words in Romans, and then, much later, Martin Luther read these words, and... From that started the Reformation. Faith alone in Christ. Which, again, started the Protestant uh, movement. And again, that's why we are here today. Um, It's our faith alone. That nothing else saves us but faith alone in Christ. So. So good. Our faith in God is what carries us. It is what 
we are relying on. So, as we go then into Habakkuk 3, chapter 3, he continues to pray. He's now holding to God. He's, he's, he's wrestled with God, but at the end he said, faith alone, faith alone in God. So he ends here in Habakkuk 3, and I'm going to just read um, verses 17 through 19 of chapter 3 of Habakkuk. Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit, nor fruit be on the vine, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food. The flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herds in the stall. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like deer's feet. He makes me tread on high places. So, the first part, he's complaining to God. God answers, telling him how he's going to handle the situation. He struggles with that. But in the end, he says, the righteous will live by faith. And he's able to then pray this prayer in chapter 3. Let me do it one more time because it's so good. Though the fig tree should not blossom, and it, nor the fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food. The flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God, the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like deers. He makes me tread in high places. The vision that uh, Habakkuk just prayed here is one of everything going wrong. And yet he's saying, I will rejoice in the Lord. Uh, In their agrarian society, this would be everything going wrong, right? A farmer has diversified crops, the fig tree not blossom, no fruit on the vine, the fields fail, the flock be cut off, everything goes wrong. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. Wow, that is powerful. I think the modern equivalent of that would be is think of your 401k. We have them diversified with stocks and bonds. Everything goes wrong. Uh, Think of our lives, everything going wrong. Um, He's now saying, doesn't matter. I'm going to embrace. I'm the embracer. I'm going to hold on to God. Uh, I love the song that we sang this morning, uh, Hold Fast. Hold fast. Habakkuk here is ending by saying, I am going to hold fast to God. This is important. And rejoice in God's sovereignty. To know that he is sovereign. Holding fast no matter the circumstances. Everything that's gone wrong. I've got a quote here to share from Nancy Piercy that I'd like to share with you all. Young people whose faith is mostly emotional are likely to retain it only as long as it is making them happy. As soon as a difficult crisis comes along, it will evaporate. It's not just young people. This happens to a lot of people. Um, Again, it goes back to judging God based on the circumstances that we're in. 
this has been a hard year, <laughs> right? Um, none of us could have seen this coming. Uh, this pandemic has been difficult. We've not been able to meet in person. Uh, it affects people in so many different ways. Uh, suicides are up. Alcoholism is up. Um, these are challenging times. Uh, I saw a quote that one in four 18 to 28-year-olds during this pandemic has considered suicide. That is crushing. These times are tough. They are tough. And more than anything in these, we need to know that God is sovereign, that we need to hold to him. We need to hold on to that good God. This year has just been incredibly tough. Not saying it's the hardest. I know with perspective, right, of looking at our watchtower, there have been other times that are hard. But this is, oof, it's a tough year. It's tough to not be together in person. But again, I'm, I'm thankful that we get to join with the church online, with y'all here now in person. But again, I'm not going to just go there, there. I'm going to say this is a hard year. This is tough. This is a really, so many things. Um, the economy, people losing jobs, fear over losing jobs. Um, all that to say we need the Lord more than ever. Um, it's just so many hardships. Even people falling away. Uh, there's, there's been some studies that um, during this with people not being able to meet in person that a lot of people have just kind of quit going to church. That's tough. We need to hold to God in these times, in these difficult times. Um, and I'll, I'll also say this. If you don't feel that your faith is in God, if you are struggling with his sovereignty, we as elders and our pastors here are here for you. If you want to make that commitment to put your faith in Jesus, please get with one of us after this sermon. Or if you're online, uh, shoot an email, shoot a text. We are here to pray with you, to talk to you. And again, the same goes if you're just feeling lonely, if you are feeling isolated, if you feel despair, we are here for you. You need to know that in these times, God is here for us, and we as the church are here for y'all. I think this can all be summed up very well with a quote from Tim Keller that I'd like to share. It's long, so forgive me. I love Tim Keller. Um, I'd also ask that we pray for Tim Keller. He's fighting cancer right now, so please keep him in your prayers. I'll be praying for him. God only allows Satan to accomplish the very opposite of what he wants to accomplish. He only gives Satan enough rope to hang himself. God hates evil. He's against it. He didn't create a world in which evil existed, but he permits it. Why? He permits Satan only to bring evil into Job's life in such a way, in such an amount that actually completely defeats Satan's real intention. Satan is only allowed by God to actually defeat himself and achieve the very opposite of what he wanted. He permits evil and suffering to come into your life 
Only to the degree that it defeats the actual intention of Satan for you. Only to the degree that it makes you a great person. Only to the degree that it actually defeats itself. All that to say, when you're like Habakkuk and seeing the evil around you and what's going on and say, God, where are you? What's happening here? Know that it is to his glory that in the end, he will conquer it. That he will be here for us. Again, we serve a sovereign God. He will... He's going to crush the evil that we see in this world. And it will be to his glory. So let's hold fast. Like his name, let's be, like Habakkuk, let's be an embracer of God. Let's hold to him in these times. Let's wrestle through the questions. Let's be real. Let's not say they're there. It's not that bad. Let's hold to God. Let's know that he's here for us. Let's live by faith. Again, if any of you are doubt where you are, where you stand with God, please see me, Justin, Herb, one of the elders after this sermon, or if you're online, send an email, send a text. We'd love to pray with you. So, I'm going to pray. We're going to have a benediction. And then Caitlin's going to come up here. And we're going to end with a hymn. How firm a foundation. Uh, I love this hymn. So let me pray for us. Oh, dear Heavenly Father, in these difficult times, we thank you for your love for sending your son to die for us. We thank you for the story of Habakkuk, of his struggle with you, for his questioning, and yet ultimately his embracing that nothing else matters than you, that the righteous shall live by faith, dear Lord. We thank you for your love and your goodness to us. We ask that we will hold fast to you in these difficult times, that we will understand that you are sovereign and that you are here for us, and that all of this will be to your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so here is your benediction from Hebrews. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance, the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that is, was set before him endured the cross, despising shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Amen.